This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. So go get yourself a book, over 180,000 of them to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. programs and welcome back to another episode of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and i'm derek diamond it's been so long since we've spoken derek i know i just i couldn't take it anymore we just had to do another episode (laughs) so last episode we just recorded and we're immediately recording another one so uh, if you want to listen to what we did this last week go listen to that episode (laughs) episode 86 uh, as yeah. far as this episode, anything you want to talk about before we launch right into the news for this week? Well, a funny little side note, uh, when you were doing the, for those who are watching the video version, when you were doing the audible read, I was like lip syncing to try and match you, Oh yeah. but you went off script and I was like, damn it. Well, I know <laughs> I was actually, <laughs> I was paying too much attention because we had so much trouble with the uh, <laughs> with the soundboard last episode, I was like paying too much attention to the soundboard to make sure that the volume didn't like crank all the way up. So I was like reading it. I was like kind of half, you know, half reading it and trying to go from memory. But then like I forgot what I was saying, like where I was at. So I completely went off script and don't remember what I said at all. So I'm going to have to go back and listen. No, it was pretty funny just because I was trying to – I always try and do something silly on the video version. and Yeah. Like about halfway through the read, you went off script and I was like, son of a bitch. Because I was reading it and then I realized I wasn't paying attention to what I was saying and I got completely lost where I was at in the read. So I was like, oh, my, my, go get yourself a book. <laughs> uh, but no, other than that, I'm good. That's called professional podcast right there. That's, that's what yeah. that is professional podcasting uh you gotta love improv uh but let's go ahead and improv ourselves into the news what do you say let's do it Our first story comes to us from Polygon.com. Pokemon Quest is a free to start action game for the Nintendo Switch. The Switch version is out now with mobile editions on the way. A new Pokemon game is available as of May 29th, and it's free to download for Nintendo Switch. It's called Pokemon Quest, and based on what we've seen so far, it's really unlike any Pokemon game we've seen before. The Pokemon Company revealed the title during a press conference held live in Japan. The action game takes place in a world called Tumble Cube Island, where voxel-style Pokemon roam for treasure, food, and friendly fights. There are base camps that players can customize and build, which help them attract new Pokemon to add to their team. From there, trainers take a set of three monsters to battle, albeit not using the familiar turn-based combat of other Pokemon RPGs. Instead, the game limits players' control of their own Pokemon to tapping attack meters once they're full. Otherwise, the Pokemon go at it on their own. I had no idea this was coming out. No, I didn't Th- this either. Is, this is actually kind of interesting. And, and they have actually... Uh... 
There are three downloadable content packs currently available for it, ranging in price from $4.99 to $17.99. Did you read this part? Because this is actually an update to the uh, the article. I did not. Yeah, I'm reading that. Let's see. There are three downloadable content packs currently available for the game. There's the $4.99 Expedition Pack, <clears throat> excuse me, that includes a cooking pot, increases the number of dishes you can cook at the same time by one, a Pokeball model, and a perfect pair statue increases the maximum battery charges by one. Uh, $9.99 is Great Expedition Pack, and the $17.99 Ultra Expedition Pack includes... Uh, those said things, uh, the Gengar Balloon, which doubles the drop rate of all ingredients, the Snorlax Lounger doubles the EXP received from Expeditions, and includes uh, some one-time bonuses as well. Uh, looking at the screen caps, you know, the, the graphic style is is interesting. I think they said it was called Voxel Style, which I yeah. never knew what the name of it was in, until now. It looks like Minecraft. It does. Um, I don't know that I'll get this game. I, I definitely want to watch the video because, I, like I said, I didn't even know about this until like I just opened the article. But um, I'd be interested to see at least what it's like. I mean, I don't know that I would actually, you know, throw down the money to buy it. But it it looks kind of cool. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, when they say free to start, like, what does that mean? Exactly. Like, if you don't want to buy any of the any of the uh, DLC packs, do you, I mean, do you still get to play the game like indefinitely, or is there like a a time limit? Like, what yeah, is... that's because the free to start term is that kind of tells me that maybe that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say for is... sure because I have no idea, but. Because you've got, you know, you've got know. your games like, uh, you know, Heroes of the Storm and things like that, which are completely free to play. You can spend money uh, on, like, cosmetic items. I guess, I guess it's a lot like Fortnite and things like that, which are free to play. But then this doesn't say free to play. It says free to start. So that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean free to play. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to watch this video when we're done because I'm I'm very interested in this. So we'll uh, we'll take a look at this and we'll come back next week and and Derek will have a little bit more to say about it. Yep. Ooh, my mouse is going crazy. Ooh, stop that. Uh, from the Verge, uh, theverge.com, the Nintendo Switch has an eclectic summer lineup to keep you busy until Super Smash Brothers. Uh, the Nintendo Switch is experiencing a bit of a lull at the moment following the console's inaugural year. Um, which had Super Mario Odyssey and Legend of Zelda. Uh, fans have had to settle for only a handful of new games. Um, those have included games like Mario Plus Rabbids, Kirby Star Allies, and some uh, enhanced Wii U games, uh, ports like Donkey Kong Country, Tropical Freeze, and Stardew Valley. Uh, but it's clear that Nintendo fans are waiting for the next big thing, uh, which that happens to be Super Smash Brothers, that's slated for release later this year. Um, but thankfully, they have a summer lineup that's shaping up to be a highly eclectic array of genres and play styles 
Uh, let's see, there is uh, the company organized some hands-on demo time with Mario Tennis Aces, Octopath Traveler, and Splatoon 2's Octo Expansion. Uh, they make a strong case for the Switch's well-rounded offerings from sports to hardcore Japanese role-playing games to hybrid platform shooter combos. Uh, let's see, Mario Tennis Aces is going to be coming out June 22nd. Uh, it will be the next installment in Nintendo's long-running Mario-themed sports series. Pretty much what you expect, Mario characters playing tennis in increasingly elaborate fashions. Uh, I'm not really a sports game guy, so that one's going to kind of pass me by. Uh, Octopath Traveler, which actually looks kind of cool from the screenshots here. Uh, it's a Japanese role-playing game in the vein of PlayStation classics like Saga Frontier and Final Fantasy, but with dashes of modern RPG game design, courtesy of Bravely Default producer Tomoya Asano. Um, the result is an experience understandably serving up nostalgia, but one that doesn't feel bogged down by the sometimes tiresome convention of the PS1-era games it's based. Um, I might actually try out a demo of this, which it actually has that 16-bit look, but yeah. more of an updated 16-bit look. Like It's kind of weird. You just have to kind of look at it and see. Like It's very HD. Like You can tell it's a new game, but the characters themselves look 16-bit in a 3D world. Like It has a really cool look to it. Uh, Splatoon 2 Octo Expansion, for those of you who like Splatoon 2. Uh, it adds 80 new single-player campaign missions that rethink how you make use of the game's abilities and shooting mechanics. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, these missions turn Splatoon 2 into a platforming game asking players to traverse complex environments under strict time limits and with little margin for error. Um, that sounds kind of cool, even though I've never played... Mm -hmm. Um, Splatoon 2 but um, but yeah I mean uh, there's good stuff coming out for the Switch this summer uh, like I said on the last episode I just picked up uh, Bloodstained uh, Curse of the Moon for $10 on the Switch store if you got 10 bucks to spend and you're a Castlevania fan that is a no brainer to go pick that game up and that just released like a couple of days ago so it's it's fresh it's freshy fresh Nice. Yeah, I'm actually intrigued by this Octopath Traveler game because it the graphics, like the characters remind me of like a Secret of Mana or Secret of Evermore yeah. game. It looks like the but, characters from Chrono Trigger almost. Yeah, but the environment is 3D. Yeah, that it seems like a game that would be up my alley. And I don't know that I'll get Mario Tennis because I haven't played the let's see the first Mario Tennis game I think was in 64 then they did a Game Boy version I played both of those but I haven't played one you know since then like they, there are some sports games that I like but for the most part I just don't really have the time to play them yeah but no, I don't blame you I, I'm not a yeah. sports game fan at all like there, there's I don't think there's anything they could put out besides like I mean unless you consider Mario Kart a sports game <laughs> <laughs> like I don't play any sports games. Yeah. And the Splatoon 2 expansion pack I'll I'll get at some point cuz I yeah. I really like that game and I think adding the actually adding some more into the single player campaign I think is really good of them to do and the the platforming aspect of it I think could add a whole new dynamic to it. I've never played Splatoon, so It's I'm, really good. I'm going to have to get that and try it it's out. really good 
I've heard it's really good. And I like a good first person, like a fun kind of first person shooter that's not all serious, like Call of Duty or something. So I think that might actually be a good pickup for me to pick that up because I look for some good stuff to play with my wife because, you know, Mario Kart gets old after a while. Yeah. No, I think you'd like it. It's a lot of fun. But um, but that does it for the news for this week. Let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In, let's see, June of 1979, Texas Instruments releases the TI-99-4, the first home computer with a 16-bit processor. Let's see what this bad boy has to offer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is 70s as you can get right there. <laughs> that looks like Yeah. Yeah. That is that is some 70s uh tech right there. And when I think of Texas Instruments, I think of the uh like cuz they made like graphing calculators or they yeah. make graphing calculators that I had to use in college. Yeah, I remember I had to buy one for college and you know, this was back in the 90s and I think it was like 50 bucks at the time. I'm like <laughs> I didn't spend that money on a freaking calculator that I'm going to use for one semester. I ended up keeping that calculator for like 15 years and it still worked. That's awesome. Yeah, the mine was mine was a little more pricey than that. It, it it's laying around here somewhere, but because I, I still kept it. It might have been more expensive than that. I don't remember exactly. I just remember looking at the price of it and just being like, holy crap. Yeah. Um. But the, it says uh, this was released in 1981 at a price of $525, $1,400 adjusted for inflation. Um, there was It is an enhanced version of the less successful TI-99-4 model, which was released in late 79 at a price of $1,150, $3,900 adjusted for inflation. Both models include support for sprites, and multi-channel sound, some of the first home computers to include such custom hardware alongside the Atari 8-bit family, uh, also introduced in 1989. Uh, let's see. It had a memory of 256 bytes. Um, I don't know what the scratch pad means, but it had 16 kilobytes of RAM. So, uh, sound like it was good for the time, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, in June of 1981, Konami releases Frogger. Yes, I love Frogger so much. Oh, Frogger is fun. Who who doesn't like Frogger? Still one of the greatest. Like that's still probably one of my favorite Atari 2600 games. Like one of the best Atari 2600 games you could get. That was a pretty good port of the uh, the the actual arcade version. Mm hmm. I used to have this game for the. Uh, they ported it over to the Game Boy. Mm -hmm. And this was perfect if you had like a like a 15 20 minute trip. Yeah. And you were like me and you just couldn't put a video game down. <laughs> it was it was perfect for something like that. Frogger's oh, yeah. great. I can't say enough good things about it. I'm surprised they haven't tried to make like a, an updated version of Frogger but make it like, you know, a Mario style open world 3D game where you're playing <laughs> the frog. Uh, that would be the best-selling game of all time. <clears throat> oh, it would. <laughs> also, <laughs> move over Breath of the Wild. <clears throat> in June of '81, Ultima is released. Yay! Guess what? We just talked about Ultima the last episode and the episode before that. Um, beginning a successful 
computer role-playing game series. I would say so. Because they made about 800 of them. <laughs> oh, just This just in Ultima 801 just released for the Switch. Uh-oh. Do, 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 do. 802 just released uh, moments ago. <laughs> what? <clears throat> yeah. Breaking news. Uh, let's see. I, we'll scroll down here. Uh, what were you going to say? I'm interested about Ultima. Like, we talk about it so much. Like, this is kind of the Mega Man thing all over again, where we just kept talking about it, where I was like, okay, I'll finally play it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't I've know if there's ever, an ult- I've never played an Ultima game, ever. I haven't either. I have to look and see are. what consoles they're available for. Yeah, I'm going to have to look. Just, you know, was there an Ultima NES game? Let me look that up real quick. Ultima, I'm sure there was. There has to be. Oh, of course there was. Uh, let's see. Yep, I remember this game, but I I think I did play this. Hmm. This looks very Which version familiar. was for the NES? Uh, Ultima Exodus. Let's see. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Ultima 3 Exodus. Uh, the third game in the series of Ultima role-playing games... Um, let's see, let me click on the wiki here. Um, Exodus is also the name of the game's principal protagonist. It is the final installment in the Age of Darkness trilogy. Released in 1983, it was the first Ultima game published by Origin Systems, originally developed for the Apple II. It was eventually ported to 13 other platforms, including a uh, Nintendo Entertainment System remake. Interesting. <clears throat> this was put out on a lot of stuff. The Amiga, the Apple II, Atari 800, Atari ST, Commodore 64, MS-DOS, FM7, Macintosh, MSX2, NES, NEC PC, uh, the NEC PC 9801, and 8801, and the Sharp X1. That's a lot of ports of the uh, of a game. So it must have that done is. really well. Which I would there say There is an so. SNES. There is a Super NES uh, Ultima as well, Ultima 7. Wow. All right, let's Black not Gate. get in the Final Fantasy territory here. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, in June of yeah. 1995, Earthbound, also known as Mother 2 in Japan, uh, is a 1994 Japanese role-playing video game co-developed by Ape Inc. and HAL Laboratory and published by Nintendo for the SNES video game console. And it was released in North America June 5th, 1995. One of your favorite of, games. Yep. my This would be, if I were to make a list of my favorite SNES games, this would probably be probably top three. I really, really like this game a lot. It's really well made. Um, the graphics are unique for the Super NES, in my opinion. Uh, the story is very good. And the way it's made, and I, I mentioned this, I mean, you can go back to one of the early episodes and listen to my review, but it's almost like a satire of Western culture. Yeah. Which I think is kind of a unique thing, but absolutely love Earthbound. Top three SNES game and probably top 10 all time favorite video game for me. I love uh, Earthbound. Did you see that the Angry Video Game Nerd did an Earthbound episode not too long ago? Mm mm. You need to see that episode. Let me write that down. Yep. Very good episode. I highly recommend it. You can actually get uh, watch uh, AVGN on Amazon Prime now, if you have Amazon oh, cool. Prime. So that's that's I do. worth noting. 
um, um, the round us out for this month in video game history. On June 5th, 1995, Street Fighter Alpha Warriors Dreams is a fighting game by Capcom. Originally released for the arcade for the CP System 2 hardware, it was the first all-new Street Fighter game produced by Capcom since the release of Street Fighter 2 in 1991. The working title for the game was Street Fighter Legends. Do you remember this game at all? I do not. Uh, let me see here. I mean, I remember Street Fighter and Street Fighter 2 Turbo, but Street not Fighter. Street Fighter Alpha. Um, I don't even think there's a Wikipedia page for this. Oh, yeah, there is. Um, let's see. Introduces several new features. Expanding on the Super Combo system previously featured in the Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Um, let's see. Plot of Street Fighter Alpha is set after the original Street Fighter, but before Street Fighter 2, and thus the game features younger versions of established characters, as well as characters from the original Street Fighter and Final Fight, and a few who are new to the series. That was another thing I, I wondered. Like, why did they never do, like, uh, uh, I guess they did if they put um, Final Fight characters in this game. I was wondering why they never put, like, the like make a fighting game out of Final Fight or, you know, like, do a, a Street Fighter game uh, where they had the, the Final Fight characters in there that you could play. But I guess they did. It must have just completely yeah. passed me by. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I didn't even know that that game was a thing. Wow. It's crazy. Like, Interesting. I, and Final Fight's still one of my favorite Super Nintendo games to this day. I mean, it, it is a great side-scrolling beat-em-up. And, it's of course, it's Capcom as well. So Capcom always made... I mean, not always. They had some stinkers. But, you know, Capcom was a great publisher back in the day. More often than not, their games were good. Oh, yeah. So that's going to bring us to our midsection here. So, Derek, I'm going to let people tell you about books before we move into our review for this episode. So for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Over 180,000 titles. That's a lot of books in a lot of different genres. If you like... Autobiographies, they've got plenty of those. They've got gaming books from Halo, Gears of War, World of Warcraft, Mass Effect, romance, mystery, sci-fi, any genre you can think of, Audible has. And Audible's perfect whether you've got like a 10 or 20 minute commute to and from work or if you've got to drive multiple hours on a road trip. It's a great thing to do to pass the time. If you're always on the go, it's a great thing to have. I do so want to say do that, that there's a couple yep. of new uh, Han Solo uh, Star Wars books that just came out. One came out on April 17th called Last Shot, um, mm -hmm. which is uh, all about um, um, Han and Chewie, Lando, and the droid L337. Um, and then you have another book that just came out on the 25th 
called Star Wars Most Wanted. It was set before the events of Solo, a Star Wars story. Han and Kira don't have a lot in common other than not having a lot. They're street kids on the industrial planet Corellia doing whatever it takes to get by. And, of course, they get um, they get a job and they, um, they're on the same mission for the same unscrupulous boss. When the job goes disastrously wrong, Han and Kira are on the run. So... That leads up to Solo, the movie. So I'm I'm one both of these. I've downloaded Last Shot, but I haven't started listening to it yet. And look, everybody out there, it's for free. If you use our code, yeah. you can get either one of those books right now for free. Last Shot is 11 hours and 11 minutes long. You know what? That's a lot of content for free. Uh, Star Wars yeah. Most Wanted is 7 hours and 55 minutes. That's still, that's a lot of content for free. Free. Yeah. Why are so you not doing it do right that, now? I don't, I don't get it. I just don't, I don't, I don't get it, Derek. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But if you want to do that, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook and free 30-day trial. And right now we're going to be talking about Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, good intro song. Yes. So this week I will be reviewing Spider-Man and Venom Maximum Carnage. Uh, it is a side-scrolling beat-em-up game for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System and Mega Drive slash Genesis. It was developed by Software Creations and published by Acclaim Entertainment and its subsidiary LJN in 1994. LJN. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do not have the best of reputations, but I did not mind this game. It's good. Now, there, it, it does have its flaws, and I think part of that was due to user error, but I will get to that here in just a second. Um, this was a game that I remember very briefly playing as a kid. I never owned it, but I do remember playing it at a friend's house once. Uh, you know, growing up, Spider-Man was my favorite Marvel or even like just superhero characters in general. Spider-Man was always my favorite. I love the animated series from the 90s. Uh, everything from the voice acting to the action to that badass intro song that they had. Done by Green you know, Jello I, uh, uh, yep. of all bands. <laughs> mm -hmm. So anything Spider-Man, I would... You know, I would eat up totally. I do hate that I didn't play this game in more detail or just in more length of time. But I was happy to go back and I I thought I had this game, but I actually have a, a different one as far as the physical copy. So I had to download a ROM. And it's fun, but slightly frustrating mm. in its own way. And the reason why I say that... Um, for one, side-scrolling beat-em-up games aren't exactly my strong suit. Mm. <laughs> so I died a lot. 
and there were times where I would get quite angry yeah. at myself <laughs> and at the game. So the the second level in this game, you're trying to climb up a building to get to the rooftop. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I died on that. Like it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I trust me. I know. I know. <laughs> The because the controls as far as like swinging when you you know mm-hmm. swinging from webs are a little a little difficult and a little frustrating. So there would be times where I would try to swing to another building, I would like hit something and then I would fall to the ground, and I would climb back up, try it again. Same thing would happen, mm-hmm. and then a shriek would be shooting energy beams from the rooftop, and I would get hit. Every single time. <laughs> uh, yep. But all in all, you know, the interesting thing about this game, it was I th- one of the few games that was actually based off of a comic book story arc. Usually with games like this, they just take the characters and they come up with an original situation. But it's actually based off the Maximum Carnage uh, comic book arc where Spider-Man and Venom team up to fight Carnage and other, you know, a few other villains. But there are some heroes in it as well. I mean, like Captain America's there, Black Cat, uh, Cloak and Dagger, Iron Fist. You know, so this is packed with quite a few big names from the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Well, I remember when this game came out, I still have um, the Maximum Carnage storyline you know, from the Spider-Man comics. Like, I loved Spider-Man comics uh, when I was a kid. And the whole Maximum Carnage storyline was just, at the time, was just awesome. And I loved Carnage at the time. I mean, he was such a just... He was an atom bomb in Spider-Man's world. Like, you thought Venom was bad? Like, Carnage was just like... He was so bad that Venom and Spider-Man had to team up and be like, all right, let's put our differences aside and take this dude out because he's going to destroy everything if we don't stop him. Um, it was cool the way he you know, he was created. Like If you go back and read the comic, um, he, he was cellmates with, uh, uh, what's his name, Brock? Uh, Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock. Um, the suit breaks him out of jail, but a little bit is left on the... You know the uh, the the bars um, mm-hmm. of the jail, and it and it drips onto uh, Cletus Cassidy's hand, which then turns him into Carnage. And Cletus Cassidy was already insane, and uh, you know yeah, he was a total psychopath. Yeah, and then the the you know he becomes one with the symbiote, and they just go on a whole rampage. Um, so this was kind of a you know it was a tie-in with the comic. It was a big deal at the time because this was when. You know, Marvel, this was right around the time that, you know, Image had broke. All the guys from Image had left uh, Marvel, went and started Image. And, um, you know, Image was just killing it around this time. Like every book from Image was selling like millions of copies. You know, (laughs) Marvel was really struggling at this time. They only, you know, kept a couple of the artists that were around at that time uh, that didn't go to Image. And this was a really good storyline that they came up with at the time to kind of keep them afloat at, you know, at, at that time. So it did really well. I remember this game coming out and being excited about the game. 
Uh, and it was a good game for the time, even though it was an LJN game, it was really good. But, you know, it just, it kind of takes me back playing this game a little bit the last couple of days. Like, cause this was, you know, this was right square in, in the childhood here, you know, and, and when I was in high school mm-hmm. when I was really in the comics and I wanted to be a comic book artist. And like, this was when I was really in the comics at this time, like, you know, spawn and image and, you know, Spider-Man, everything like the nineties were a great time for comic books. Oh, absolutely. And you know, the nineties was when venom was created. You yeah. know, when you think of Spider-Man, because Spider-Man has been around since the sixties, you think of the old school villains like green goblin, doc, Ock, Sandman, you know, venom came along, I think at the perfect time yeah. because he was the anti Spider-Man, yep. you know, cause he, but he still had, you know, his morals in a way like you could in a way feel a little sympathetic to Eddie Brock. Yeah. But but with Cletus Cassidy, you know, he was just he was venom without a conscience. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that he could make, you know, weapons out of his symbiote suit, like he could form an axe and actually yeah. use it was was really cool. And, you know, Carnage was he was like the ultimate villain at that time, because you felt like, you know, cause I remember watching the cartoon. I was like, okay, carnage could just mop the floor with doc Ock and green yeah. goblin, hobgoblin, all these guys. So to have that storyline that was centric around carnage was really cool. And I, I didn't read that story, you know, at the time it came out, but I have read it since then. And the fact that, you know, they did a game based off of that. And the, yeah. even the cutscenes are basically the comic book on the screen, which I think works. I mean, it took a lot of the Marvel universe to take down carnage. If I remember correctly, I mean, I haven't mm-hmm. read the book in you know, 20 something years, but I mean, you know, it said captain America's in the game, black, uh, black cat, iron fist, cloak and dagger. Uh, Morbius, like all these people had to come in and help take down Carnage because he was just wreaking havoc on everything. Yeah. Like you said, Venom with no conscience, like even an even worse Venom. Like if you can imagine that, you know, like because we were Venom kind of reminds me of, you know, we were talking about Cobra Kai and, Mm -hmm. you know, Johnny is not necessarily the bad guy. But you could also like see how Danny LaRusso was his bad guy. And that's kind of like the way that, uh, you know, Eddie Brock is like Peter Parker is kind of his bad guy. And yeah, kind of sympathetic. That's what makes Venom a great character. You know, you kind of that. That's what makes good villains is when you can sympathize with a villain. That's what made Black Panther so great. You know, Killmonger, you could totally see where the guy was coming from. And that's you can what, see why he was a little salty. Yeah, exactly. So that's you know that's what makes some of the Marvel villains great. Um, but yeah, like Carnage made a great villain because he was just a loose cannon, man. Like there was nothing stopping him once he became one with the symbiote. So I you know, I would love to see like an updated remake of this whole like sort of a um, do a Spider Man game, but make it kind of like a, the Arkham games. You know, like mm-hmm. Arkham City and stuff like that. Wouldn't that be awesome to have a Spider-Man game where you have to team up with a bunch of people to take down Carnage? I think that would be awesome. Oh, I'd love it. I would absolutely love it. 
But as far as the the gameplay goes of this game, as I said, it's a side-scrolling beat 'em up. If you've played, you know, Final Fight, Double Dragon, yeah, it plays exactly like that. The fighting is, you know, the controls aren't very complex. You know, to me, they're a, a little jaunty, especially when it comes to the web slinging. But yeah, other than that, you know, it's it's very simplistic. You know, it's kind of the side-scrolling beat 'em up genre is kind of the, you know, what you see is what you get with it. Yeah, as far as the controls go, so I didn't know this you know, either that it was the first Spider-Man video game to receive a teen rating, while the SNES release version had a rating of K through A. The Genesis version was rated MA thirteen. All because of Carnage. Yeah, I didn't know that. And it's kind of interesting because you know when we were talking about Fazanadu last week. You gave it a little bit lower of a rating than the what the general reception was. Yeah, I'm gonna give Maximum Carnage a higher ranking than you know what we're seeing here because really it says here the reviewers of Electronic Gaming Monthly scored the SNES version a unanimous five out of ten, commenting that the appearances by other superheroes are cool but outweighed by the sloppy graphics and mediocre control. I didn't think the was- the graphics were sloppy. Where are they getting no, that from? I, it, I mean, it, it looks it looks like a Super Nintendo game. Yeah. It looks like, you know, or I'll say a 16-bit game because it also came out for the Genesis. But yeah. it, it looked like it fit in with that era. I, I had no issue with the graphics. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that at all. Hmm. Uh, Nintendo Power gave it a 3.45. Why they would be that specific, I have no idea. <laughs> uh GamePro reviewed the Genesis port, saying that all the graphics, features, and fighting action are identical on the Genesis version. Unfortunately, so are the drawbacks that made this only an average SNES game. Uh, game controls well, but is overly long and repetitive due to the player. The player character's limited selection of moves, lack of objects to interact with, low variety of enemies. That I will agree with. Yeah. Uh, and the similar look to all the backgrounds. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with those, but... I personally don't think that that really took away that much from my experience with it. Like the variety of enemies, I mean, you can only fight, you know, the same, you know, thug named Tim or yeah. John. <laughs> I mean, th- know, this, for, that was, you know, <laughs> a product of the time, too. I mean, you go back and you yeah. play Final Fight and you're fighting the same dudes over and over and over again. So, I mean, to ding it for that is kind of stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, as far as the soundtrack, I mean, you guys heard the the title theme. I, I really like the music. I think it fits perfectly. Um, I didn't recognize it, but it says here, an uncredited version of Black Sabbath's yeah. The Mob Rules appears in the soundtrack. I think that was actually on one uh, up on the roof when they're on a uh, roof, uh, the level. rooftop. Yeah. Okay. Was like, what, I'd have to go three, back and listen I to think. it again, like level three or something like that. I, I don't remember. I have to go back and play it again. The rooftop yeah. is level three. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's New York street, then, um, climb, then rooftop. Cause that's, that's right. where you fight, uh, Spider-Man's doppelganger and shriek for the first time. Yeah. I'll have to go back and listen to it again. Because it, it, I mean, I wasn't thinking of it, so that might be why I wasn't, you know, it didn't connect with me, but 
I'll have to go back and listen to that again. Yeah, I wonder if Black Sabbath ever heard about that and, and sued <laughs> LJN Maybe. For, for using that or uh, acclaim for using that music without um, permission. Who knows? I but know. I, don't, I would give this game, I'd probably give it a six and a half to a seven. You know, I, cool. I thought I wouldn't call it a fantastic game, but, you know, it's a little bit of my love for Spider-Man in there. But it's it's a fun, you know, side scrolling beat em up game. Well, that's and it's got a good really, story. You know, that's all that you can really ask for for this era of, you know, like just it, the side scrolling beat em ups, just a good mindless side scrolling beat em up. You know, you don't have to think yep. about anything. You just go through and beat everybody up and see how far you can get in the game. Exactly. But yeah, that's uh, that's my thoughts on Spider-Man Maximum Carnage. Awesome. I recommend it. Uh, I would love to actually yeah. find one of the uh, the red cartridges of this game uh, because the first prints of the game for the Super NES and Genesis were sold in red-colored cartridges. And I used to see these all over the place. And now I don't see them anymore, so I wish I could run across one and pick one up. I found a Genesis one earlier today uh, at a retro gaming store I looked at, but they didn't have the SNES one, because that, mm. that, that's the one that I want. Yeah, that's the one I want, too. But yeah, I didn't yeah, know, I, I didn't know they, they, the later prints came in standard color cartridges. I thought they were all in red cartridges. cartridges. I did, too. It's hmm, weird. Interesting. Learn something yeah. new every day, right here on the Nerd yeah. Cave Retro Show. Yeah. So, uh, anything else you want to bring up before we get out of here? Um, I don't think so. Just uh, be sure to go check out the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. Uh, new episodes come out every Thursday on iTunes, Spotify, and all podcasting platforms. And you can follow the show on social media at D Diamond Podcast. Oh, before we get out of here tonight, guess what? I, I keep forgetting that we've got, got, oh, we've got yeah. a bunch of emails that we've got to go through. So let me let me put a little bit of music here for, for you. Yeah, there we go. Sweet. So we've been talking about Final Fantasy, and we, we did a little bit of a, I won't say a rant, but we, we had some fun with Final Fantasy a couple of weeks ago. And this tweet comes to us from at Spoonie Bard Toma. You guys are so wrong about the FF series. For one, there is no continuity between games whatsoever. Each is a standalone title. Starting with three on the SNES Classic is a fine choice. Also, the only two games that were misnumbered are on the SNES. It's really not that confusing. If you want a truly confusing numbering system, check out the Chronicles of Narnia books. <laughs> cool uh, <laughs> uh, I hope you listened to the last episode where we had uh, Mr. Halam Akbar from San Diego San Diego, uh, San Diego. Uh, an entire paragraph of explaining the, the number system to Final Fantasy and I, I'm, I'm still just as uh, just as confused as ever even after that, yeah, just so. just a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. It, I I know people get mad at us about that, but come on, man! Like, put yourself in our shoes and look at it from the outside, and and just be like, okay, pretend I've never played a Final Fantasy game. 
Like, would I understand any of this? And the answer is yeah. no. New. Uh, also from Derek Bryant on Facebook, uh, he says, Mario, Mega Man, Samus, and Donkey Kong are the poster children for Nintendo. Uh, referring to a thing I said uh, about, uh, I thought Mega Man was just as much a poster child for Nintendo as Mario. And I said, come at me, bro. And he did, but he was agreeing with me. So <laughs> there we go. Uh, the only Mega Man I couldn't get into was on the 64. I was a Nintendo kid through the SNES, but PlayStation came out before the 64, so I missed most of that Nintendo era. I only had one friend that had an N64. I never really played a lot of GoldenEye, but did play the hell out of Killer Instinct 2. I'm just now getting my 64 collection going. Um... I mean, I, I kind of uh, agree with him there. I didn't play a ton of N64, but the games I did play were were great. You know, like I played Mario 64. Uh, I played, um, you know, Resident Evil, things like that. I did not play um, Mega Man for the Nintendo 64, so I missed out on that as well. Yeah, I've I vaguely remember that game. Uh, but not not too much of it, no. Yeah, I don't. Remember. I mean, I knew there was one. Um, I actually never played Killer Instinct two. I do like the original for the Super Nintendo, but never played the sequel. I remember playing it, but I think I played it on the PlayStation one. Let me make sure that I'm almost positive that that was on pretty much every system you could get. And if I could, type I can't remember Instinct. Because I want to say they might have been exclusive with Nintendo at the time. Maybe, because it says uh, it says Killer Instinct 2 uh, for, I think it was the PlayStation 2. Yeah, it was for the PS2. Oh, okay. I think it came out for um, our um, Xbox One. It doesn't say on here. I, I I'm pretty sure it said um, just the PlayStation Two. I don't think it was on the PlayStation One. Maybe I'm just misremembering. I do remember playing Killer Instinct, but I don't remember what system I played it on. Might have been the N64. I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. If I could pull that Maybe memory so. out of my head, I would, but I can't. And uh, I remember playing it with a friend of mine. A lot, because he used to play it. Um, I had a friend of mine that worked at the mall, and he used to go and play Killer Instinct all the time at the uh, mm -hmm. arcade in the mall, because they used to have Killer Instinct tournaments on Saturdays, and he would go every Saturday and enter the tournament. Um, but I also remember playing with him on, it was either the N64 or PlayStation version, but it must have been the uh, N64, but he did have a PlayStation 2. So maybe it was Killer Instinct 1 on PlayStation. Let me, let me just double check. I mean, Killer Instinct, Instinct, PS1. Uh, it was made by Rare. It was an arcade game in 94. Um, let's see. Uh, it was initially released in arcades. Yeah. Then, I don't see. think so. It was on the SNES. Maybe that mm -hmm. was it. 
I'm yeah, thinking f- that might have been it playing it on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah, that that that'll be a game that you know, I'm going to review at some point in the near future. Yeah. Those weird memories going on. Sorry, I took you down that weird road. I was just trying to pull that memory out of my head somehow. Um, but for the next episode, I think I am going to go ahead and uh, review Bloodstained: Curse of the Moon because I really like that game. Uh, I'm almost, I'm probably about three quarters of the way done with it at this point. Uh, I should be done with it by this weekend. So I will do a full review of that game next week. Cool. And maybe I can talk to the company into maybe giving us some, uh, if I review it, maybe they'll give me some uh, codes to give out or something. Maybe tweet at them. Maybe. See what they'll do. Yeah. So anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here tonight? No, I don't think so. I think I'm good. Awesome. Well, um, go listen to the Pop Culture Palette over at uh, PCP Show on Twitter and PCPRadio.com. Go listen to me and Derek talk about Zelda on part two of the Zelda Roundtable on the Derek Diamond Experience. Um, other than that, I think it's time to get out of here. So let me go ahead and play this. And if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfantastic and at Derek underscore diamond. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Wow. Wow. (laughs) You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.